give my regards to Broadway. Remember me to Harold Square. Tell all the folks on 42nd Street that I will soon be there. Hello and welcome to Sick Transit Gloria, a podcast about New York history, places past and present, hosted by me, Anna Van Dyne. And me, Samantha Ross. I'm back. Woohoo! Yay. Welcome back to season five. I'm back. We're back. I was here for fall of last year, but then second semester, we all know I went to London, England to study abroad, and now I'm back. And it feels good, feels natural, feels authentic. We miss Sabina. Yeah, we miss Sabina. Shout out to Sabina. Yeah. And we're here with my friend Fatima, and she is going to share a piece that she wrote about Washington Square Park. Do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, um, I'm Fatima. I'm a senior at Gallatin, majoring in God knows what, but it's going to be okay. And I wrote a piece. Tell us what your piece is called. Uh, it's called On the Dragon They Buried in the Park. <laughs> I like the title of, of your piece. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah, dragons. I'm excited. I love dragons. They're so cool. Okay. Um, Beneath New York's crowning jewels, the skyscrapers and such, living alongside its favorite success stories and seamlessly intertwined with the wind, are loud songs that house the cries of a hapless collective of mythical beings, mundane dreams, versions of selves forgotten in pursuit of others who too would join their predecessors, wishes left unrealized, boys and girls who tried to fly and flew much too close to the sun, forgotten lives and the stories they tell, memories banished, and monsters. They are the ones New York tries to forget. The voices are consistently hushed and pushed into corners and dark alleyways, crowded into the underground, overshadowed and exiled. They are packed together in the lost, unseen corners of the city, buried in history that does not want them. In its attempts at forgetting, the city builds over and with them, a messy technique that unwittingly leaves the dead imprinted on everything and scatters death everywhere on shiny new landmarks, on the rusted bronze of Lady Liberty's torch, at the peak of the Empire State, on cobblestone and paved streets and roads, parks and highways, on piled residential spaces, and the suffocating heat of New York summers and the brutal ice of New York winters. So that New York is just as much a city of light, of possibility, of dreams, of life, as it is an acropolis, a city of bones, of death, of loss, of tears, both somehow content enough to exist in that strange haphazard pairing that makes New York the messed up mystery it insists on being. Why do you think New York is so loud at night? Something had to be done to make the cries more palatable to the next overzealous outsider that decides to move in. Ambulances, speeding cars, chatter, and the unapologetic sounds of unsanctioned humanity are charming. They denote character, but the dissonant cries and shouts of multiple thousand tortured souls are not. New York never sleeps because it is a haunted city. The dead do not tend to give up easily, and after all, what is a haunting but a request to be heard? While New York continues its attempts at building and forgetting, they sing and sing, clutching ferociously at the land that they call home. If you learn to listen close enough, you might hear them too. If you go out at the right time, to the right place, where the silence feels so alien it becomes overwhelming, and allow yourself to listen, you might hear them, and you might too be granted a glimpse at the trace of the magic they left behind. Take Washington Square Park, for example. On July 9th, 1819, they buried a dragon there. Of course, all this happened before her essence could be recycled into the fountain, the arch, and the stone benches, before it could be laced with the grass and made to serve as fertilizer for the flowers and trees that lined the park's perimeter. When she died, she died a public death. 
hung in what was once a nameless, overflowing potter's field where her body was forced to succumb to a human fate, and where her life, that collection of magic, stories, feelings, likes and dislikes that make us who we are, would be chopped up and disseminated throughout the city, forever anchored to the land where she now slumbers in all her unapologetic glory. When she died, thousands of people gathered to watch, climbing trees and clambering to witness the death of one of the last dragons their city would house. In that period of New York's history, the time of dragons, cannibalistic white fairies that preyed on the colors of black folk and unabashed magic, Greenwich Village was a haven for newly freed men who had paid heavily for it and undergone a difficult metamorphosis that comes with the shedding of the title slave, that personal reclamation of personhood that was never quite acknowledged in the open of white folk's stares and judgments, but was nonetheless enough to warrant wanton celebration and pride. It was a city of men and women who had come back from the dead, traveled through hell, and let their magic loose in a place they called Little Africa, a neighborhood right outside of the park. The last dragon was an enslaved woman, literally buried on the outskirts of the freedom I want to assume she so desperately craved. Eight years before all the enslaved people in New York were officially granted their freedom. She was 19 and had probably been forced to keep her magic hidden long enough for it to begin to prickle at her skin and tear at her mind as a beg to be let out. Her name was Rose Butler, and her story, a random grafting of random accounts I found online, goes like this. Born, or rather sentenced to life in 1799 in Mount Pleasant, New York, Rose was first shaped into the property of a Colonel Strake. At 10, she was given to and lived with Abram Child, who she probably served until she was about 16 or so. She was then sent to the Moores family in New York at about that time. She had allegedly had a tumultuous relationship with Mrs. Morris. Side note, don't be shocked at the fact that such a powerful being was treated the way she was. Men will usually treat magical beings and things as trinkets to be sold and owned, and the men of that time were in the business of trading magic like it was nothing. The process at the time was after all foolproof and involved the draining of the magic via the use of story and discourse reinforced by violence. They used it to fuel their homes, their economies, and kept it from becoming too powerful via the use of systematic challenges and hurdles. Anyway... When arrested for the crime, Rose pleaded her case, stating that she had been aided by two men she met at the Hooks. Weeks before the fire, the same two men had asked her questions about Mrs. Morris, questions Rose stated she did not answer. Exactly one week before the fire, the men in question had showed up again, and this time asked if they could light their cigars in the kitchen. She let them. On what happened on the day of the actual fire, Rose first claimed that the men had gained entry to the house using a false key and had set the fire themselves. But on what I suppose would have been a hot summer's day, she admitted to intentionally setting the fire and tying a string to the kitchen door so the family would not be able to escape. Either way, the men were never found. Her attempts, whether real or fabricated, were futile, though. She only managed to destroy two or three of the kitchen stairs. An account of her execution pictures her in a cell where a priest asserts she will likely go to hell and burn for all of eternity. Stupid, I know, as if you can burn a dragon. And where a sheriff offers her an orange and a ride to the gallows in a coach. They tied her up with bows and shroud and asked her if she would rather go to the state prison. She would rather hang. Of the rest of Rose's story, not much is known, but Rose burned her way into history in a time when the world was actively choosing to forget and bury black people and their legacies. Her case made it to the Supreme Court, shaping the laws regarding arson. If to live only matters insofar as you're remembered, in a world that was actively erasing the existence of countless black people, and in a city that was working quickly to banish the magic within its borders to crevices and hidden corners, to tunnels and mass graves, Rose Butler, wittingly or unwittingly, in her rebellion made a name for herself and inscribed her name into a historical record. Although she has only granted existence in the context of her crime and still remains a relic whose story has to be actively sought out, that in and of itself is a tremendous feat. 
I cannot attempt to say more about Rose because history has buried the remainder of her story and I cannot possibly hope to reconstruct the shattered pieces of her life. But I can attempt to rewrite what little I know of her and I can choose to remember her and the many others before her when I walk through a city in all of its twisted, evolving, and messed up glory. And so this is my testament to the woman who harbored within her all of the contradictions and nuances of a true dragon, to the magic she left behind that lived and continues to live in New York. You're an incredible writer, seriously. I was like so, I was hanging on to each word. So I guess my first question is, you both can answer this because you were both in the class, but what was like the prompt or the assignment given that uh, you wrote this for? Yeah, I'm curious too where you got the idea to write about this person, Rose. Like was she actually real or like how how much is real and how much isn't? Can you answer my question first, though? I'm, like, trying to remember what the prompt was, but I can't. Okay. But so did you have it, too? Yeah, I think it was just essay three. Like, we yeah. we came up with lists of ideas of things to write about. Oh, um, so it was very vague. So Yeah. You, okay, so each person got to choose what they wanted to write about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I believe so. Which leads to my question is, like, where would you get the idea? Yeah. I don't know. I was writing it, and I just kind of wanted to write about dragons because I like writing about magic and then like I was doing research in Washington Square Park and then I came upon Rose and like what it was and like the history behind it and I was just like okay cool like she's arrested for arson so dragons arson and then I just went from there a lot like everything about her like the details are like real as far as I know and then the only parts that like I made up were just like the aspects of magic and stuff that are like sewn in there but yeah it's funny. I actually learned this morning that um, G Castle is built on top of the old hangman's cottage. Oh, hmm. my God. Wow. Isn't that bizarre? Yo. I like we we if, if you've heard this show, you know, I'm not a fan of this type of um, topic, I'll say. So all like hearing that really just wow. I try not to think about it when I go to Washington Square Park, you know. It's so interesting. It's so weird, too, because there's so much... I don't know, nobody... Everybody talks about, like, some aspects of, like, the history of Greenwich, but nobody really talks about, like, the, like, darkness, like, I guess, of it. And then, like, no, I had never heard of Little Africa before doing research for this piece, which was so... Yeah, do you know anything more about that that you could tell us? I know it's, like, um, there are a couple, like, mass... This is, again, I'm so sorry, but there are a couple, like, mass graves that were dedicated specifically to, like, formerly enslaved and enslaved people, like, around the city. And there's, like, a monument down on, like, Houston, I believe, that's, like, specifically, like, dedicated to that. And I've been meaning to check it out, but life. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I don't really know much else, like, apart from, like, the little research that I did. It was just, um, like, a place where, like, people came, like, after, like, formerly enslaved people, like, would live there. And, like, Got that's it. where, yeah. It's yeah. I didn't know about that either until yeah, I heard like, it in your essay. I like it's general themes of the show over and over, but like it's true. I mean, I try to think about or like I try to answer the question of why I care about this kind of stuff so much. And like I can't really form an answer as to why, but I just think that like you're either the type of person who feels like it's really important like I do or not I don't know this doesn't really make sense but like you know in school like some people are math science people and some people are like English history people I was always like the English history person and right and like to me like this sort of historical information 
is so important. But I, I don't know. I can't figure out why I think so. It just is like a part of me that I really think it is. So if either of you have good way of like formulating this this better than I am. Well, I feel like it's what Fatima you were saying in your essay, like when you like I don't know, there was this part in in what you wrote where you're saying like if you go to a quiet place and you just listen, you can hear the stuff that has happened in the past, like not necessarily in a spooky way, but just like if you're attuned to it, like if the switch is flipped, there's a lot that you can perceive about 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 the history i guess so i don't i don't know what flipped that switch no it's true i just it's t- to me it's like how can you walk around this city this area this like block even and not be so curious as to what went down before you step foot on the concrete yeah it's to me it's i think about it constantly when i walk around and, and look up and and see everything it's like it's like not caring who your grandparents were yeah that's true everything that physically was here before is also like built on top like everything that is here now is built on top of the layers of what was before both in a physical way and in a cultural way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean i guess it's also just like if you yourself are inclined to appreciate stories more like if you like storytelling or not I know there's some people out there who aren't into that sort of thing but like I guess it is really a bunch of true stories all around us so if you like that then I guess it'd be more interesting to you Hmm. if you don't care don't talk to me (laughs) don't listen to this podcast yeah but I guess if anyone's listening at all it's because they do care a little bit yeah, I feel like this is the conversation we have like every single episode. I know it's literally like history's a good, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's it. History's good and interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there's so much of it, which is why we've been able to do this for a good long time. Yeah, and we could do it forever if we wanted to. I mean, yeah, we will be able to do this really for however long we want because be- there is so much to learn about so much that has yet to be unturned and if you want to hear you know you can tune into every episode this season (laughs) yeah you have been listening to sick transit gloria on wnyu 89.1 fm a big thanks to fatima for joining us fatima thanks so much thank you for having me this was so much fun all right i am anna and i'm sam good night (laughs) 